You don't sound very awake this morning. Did you all have a good Thanksgiving? There we go. We have so much to be grateful for, don't we? Well, we have a special blessing for you all today. Pastor Jeremy, who is the pastor here at Northside Baptist, um, is going to come and speak to you just for a couple of minutes and share things that are on his heart. And so would you welcome to um, talk to us this morning, Pastor Jeremy. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, just uh, introduce our ministry and uh, myself a little bit. Uh, I've seen you back and forth in the hallways as you've been moving back and forth, and uh, we're really delighted to be able to uh, partner with you and to provide uh, a host home this season. Uh, We're very blessed and encouraged by the uh, just being able to uh, use the facility and to use it for the sake of studying the Bible. So one of our core values as a congregation among many is teaching the Bible. And if we can encourage that, if we can support that, if we can empower that, we want to make sure that that's something that's happening in our community. So that's near and dear to my heart. And I know that's a part of uh, what brings you together on these uh, Wednesday mornings. Just a little bit about me, in case you're curious. Um, I am finishing up my second year as senior pastor, starting my third year. I've been serving as a pastor, mostly in Kentucky and Ohio for the last 20 years. Uh, married to a wonderful woman named Sarah. We're celebrating our 22nd um, year of marriage and have four kids, two in junior high and two in college. One just got engaged this last weekend. I don't think I've shared that with a lot of folks. So yeah, we're celebrating that and excited for uh, for, for him and his uh, fiance. That still sounds a little bit new and weird to say, but it's exciting. So uh, we're really, really blessed to be able to uh, to live and to minister on the north side of Indianapolis and uh, just really, really grateful that uh, we can partner together uh, during this season. Grateful to have Creative Living have you all with us and let us know how we can uh, uh, serve you and help make your uh, time together the most profitable and the most blessed that it can be. So um, our church is uh, in a really wonderful season right now. We've just hired a new worship pastor and uh, the Lord is blessing in a lot of our different ministries. Just a real snapshot, I have a, a heart for discipleship and seeing people grow in their faith. We also look for ways to look outside of the church, but uh, we have been blessed to see folks move from sitting in the pews to being involved in our Bible study groups that we have on Sunday morning and at various times through the week, and then trying to plug them into places of service so they can use the gifts that God has given them for His glory. So um, that's just a a fun part of what we've been able to do over the last couple years, and uh, God has been blessing. And I'm so thankful that we can be part of the the greater uh, Indianapolis church community and see God do a great work in our city. So just a little bit about me. I don't know what your format is, but I feel compelled. If it would be okay, could I pray for you? Is that okay? Could I just close out? And I just want to pray for you all in your time of Bible study today and in the weeks to come. So let me just do that right now. Lord, I thank you so much for um, this group of ladies. I thank you, Lord, for uh, their heart and passion for the Bible and their desire to apply it to their lives, to uh, live it out, to, to learn it. And uh, God, what a, what a valuable, uh, what an awesome thing that is. So I thank you, uh, God, for uh, helping to make this happen. I pray that you would uh, bless the various groups that are meeting as well as the large group gathering. And I pray, Lord, that you might enlarge their ministry and that there might be more women who would be drawn to and uh, be a part of of what's happening here uh, from week to week. I pray that you would be with those who are teaching, who are leading, that you would give them the words to say and to inspire those who are uh, under their instruction. And God, we thank you for not only sending your son Jesus, but sending us your word 
in the Holy Scriptures, and I pray, Lord, that uh, we would treasure it in our hearts. So we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for letting me pray for you and greet you. If you see me in the hallway, feel free to say hello and uh, just let us know how we can serve you and help you uh, as we work together. So thank you so much. Are we on? Yeah, okay. So, um, after that struggle, <laughs> let's begin, right? Anyway, my name is, I don't know if I want to give it now, but my name is Roxy Morgan. I've been with the study since it began, and um, I just love studying the Word. Um, I have um, three children, all married, nine grandchildren, seven boys, two little girls, finally. So, um, that's, that's a little bit about me. So let's pray, shall we? Dear Jesus, we do thank you for this church. It is a beautiful facility. Lord, I feel like you've led us to green pastures. And Father, I just feel, um, I feel your presence in this place right now. Fill us up, Lord, fill us up. This morning, I pray you'd have a word for each woman today as she listens to your voice. Lord, I pray there'd be none of me, oh, Father, none of me, but all, all of you. And we're going to give you this time. May we, may we close off all the things we have to do after this and in the weeks ahead. And may we just bask in your presence for these moments that you have given us in your precious, precious name. Amen. All right, we are jumping in to John 10. Don't you love it? It's all about the sheep and the shepherd, everybody, as I know you've done in your small groups. And um, <clears throat> I just want to start out by um, singing. <laughs> and you can take it or leave it. <laughs> in God's green pastures, feeding by his Cool waters lie, soft in the evening walked my my Lord and I. All the sheep of his pastures fare so wondrously fine, his sheep am I. Waters cool, pastures green, in the evening walked my Lord and I. Step by step, come the way. Watch my Lord and I. I just blew it. In God's green pastures, feeding by his cool waters lie. Soft in the evening, watch my, my Lord and I. All the sheep of his pastures fare so wondrously fine. His sheep am I. Waters cool, pastures green. In the evening, watch my Lord and I. Dark the night. Come the way, step by step, my Lord and I. Um, Before we get right into the scriptures, I want to make a few points. Um, As I was studying, doing research, um, let's, um, John's account is unique among the Gospels. We have to remember this. And that he doesn't recount any of the Lord's parables. He does, however, recall the Lord's use of figurative and extended metaphors. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, The self-portrait of the Good Shepherd draws upon the Old Testament prophecies, and I love this, Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, and Zechariah 11. The Lord warns Israel in these Old Testament prophecies, warns Israel's unfaithful spiritual leaders 
that he will do the job of shepherding himself. The Bible is just woven together, and this is an example of that. Also, I want to um, point out that Jesus rarely, rarely presented truth in order to turn non-believers into believers. Most of all, the truth became his means of drawing believers out of the world. Out of the world. He's drawing us out. When we hear his truth, he's drawing us. The Holy Spirit's calling us. Okay, let's look at some sheep. Did all this, some research on the sheep and the shepherd. You know, sheep are dumb. They have no protective mechanism. You know, they need a shepherd. They're the most mentioned animal in the Bible. And I really recommend, get a Bible dictionary and just look up how many animals are mentioned in the Bible. And how many insects Ugh, and odd things. But anyway, it's a lot of fun. I encourage you to do it. But sheep are the most mentioned. They were known for their wool and their milk. and the set. They were used for sacrifices. Their horns were used for instruments, for holding oil. Their bones were used for needles and scrapers and even arrowheads. And uh, there was a gentleman called H.V. Morton. And he would uh, went to observe sheep in Jericho, okay? Now, the Near Eastern shepherd would always lead his sheep. We see a lot of shepherds that are from behind and prodding them and poking them, but not the Near Eastern shepherd. He would lead. He would always be in front. And he'd be playing his flute or singing a song or saying their names. So they got very, very used to his voice. At one point... Evie Horton observes, um, he, he observed a series, it's actually goats, but um, he observed them, and they were all going down the mountain to the valley and going up another hill. So the, the shepherd's in front, and the sheep get in the valley, and the shepherd goes on up the hill. And guess what? The sheep are, they're chomping around in that valley, okay? Yum, yum, yum. And all of a sudden, the shepherd gives this, gives this call, and the sh- one, one lone sheep or goat at this case was say in this case was made a whinny, a strange whinny. But a couple looked up, went right back to eating. They didn't obey. So the shepherd gives another kind of call, and Horton Horton says it was like a, uh, a laughter thing, and all of a sudden. One with the bell looked up and trotted right up the hill to the shepherd. And when he left, the others stopped eating. Morton says they forgot to eat. And they, can you imagine that? They forgot to eat. And they looked up and they panicked. And they heard another call and they stampeded. Now a flock was usually a hundred sheep. These hundred sheep stampeded up that mountain and they leapt to the shepherd. They followed the shepherd. They knew his voice. I thought it was just a great description of what we're studying today. Now, the shepherd's bag was interesting. He carried food. Um, uh, He carried a sling for protection. He carried a 30-inch stick with a knob on it. um, Or kind of they would carve the handle out. He carried a staff. He carried a flute or a harp. Um, for calling the sheep or for entertaining himself during the long hours, and usually carried some medicine or some oil for the sheep. But I was really intrigued by the rod. Ezekiel talks about being under the rod, uh, Ezekiel 20:37, and the rod was the stick, <clears throat> and it was always it was often an extension of the shepherd's right hand. You know, Moses raising the rod. He did a lot of things with the rod. And as the sheep uh, would come out, and he would often have the rod out, and he would count them as they went under the rod. And that's what Ezekiel talks about. And the interesting thing to me is he used that rod. So the sheep's wool is really thick. This one's been sheared a little bit. But (laughs) the sheep's wool is really thick. And we take that rod, and he'd just go down that thick wool and part it. And he would look deep inside, the shepherd looked deep inside, to see if there was, there was anything starting, skin disease or irritations. 
But another interesting thing is when sheep were being judged, that shepherd ran that stick through, parted it, the judge did, so that the wool wouldn't be pulled over his eyes. Okay, that's where we get that expression. The wool pulled over his Jesus understood the power of a familiar image to listen to this, to unlock the mysteries of heaven. Jesus understood the power of a familiar image to unlock the mysteries of heaven. So as we move to John 10, 1, verse 1 says, I'll give you a little drink here. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Now, a thief back then was someone who broke into your house. A robber was someone who accosted a traveler on the road. Kind of the opposite, I think, of what we think. But that was the definition. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep... I'm going to stop right there. The gatekeeper. Now, this remember, this is metaphors. And in this particular passage, both the commentators, there's a lot about him being the gatekeeper here. Um, And that was, a lot of them believed it was the Holy Spirit that was drawing, that was opening the gate in this particular metaphor. Because Jesus calls himself the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. He calls himself the gatekeeper. And the sheep, what do they do? They listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What do the sheep do? They listen to his voice. They listen to his voice. The sheep are the believers here. The shepherd is Christ. And Christ is telling us to listen to his voice. And what does he do? He calls them by name and leads them out. Jesus calls us by name. He knows each one of our names. He knows everybody's name in the whole world. Everyone's name. So take out that white card right now that you were given. And get a pen or borrow a pen. And write your name. Kind of in big letters. Print it, write your full name, write whatever you like about your name, just write your name. Take a moment to bask in the fact that Jesus knows your name. And then write John 10, 4. And then you can tuck that in your Bible. And when you get down and you don't think anybody cares, you can pull that card out because he knows your name. So important. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep, what do their sheep do now? They follow him. They obey because they know his voice. Uh, And they're just... Um, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Remember the Bible tells us to flee evil? When we hear the faults, flee it. And here it is again. Jesus is introducing it right here. Okay? When things don't add up, run. Flee. Get out of there. They won't listen to a stranger's voice. Um, Jesus uh, used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what, what he was telling them. Once again, those Pharisees. Did you enjoy the notes? If you did your notes. But anyway, about looking up all those verses, about those, those guys were really awful. <laughs> They were awful. They they just were awful. And so here are all these awful Pharisees standing there thinking they know everything and so full of all this knowledge and all the things they've added to Scripture. 
that they don't understand it. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I, now he's real definite, I am the gate. Here's one of our I am statements. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Do you have that? You'll be saved if you enter through Jesus. Uh, through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I just love this. Because once we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we are saved, we are saved. He leads us into situations, he leads us out of situations. He gives us times of great pasture. He is with us always, leading us in and out, and we're saved. Okay? Now, the, Morton has a description here, and I love it. Because he said he actually observed the sheep, and when they're near their hometown, the pen is actually stone walls with an opening, and shepherds will put them in together, and I know you've heard this before, but, you know, if there are two shepherds, there could be 200 sheep that all go in there. And oftentimes, when they were home, a porter watched the gate, okay? The shepherds would go home to their bed, come home and sleep, and then come back. And he said in the morning they came back and one shepherd started calling his sheep and the other started calling his sheep. They just followed out. Can you just see him trotting out? What a thrill that would be. They're just hearing a voice and these animals follow it. They know their shepherd. And they don't follow the other guy. They know their own shepherd's voice. So he is, I just love, he's using this simple example of something in their times to unlock these mysteries of the scripture. He says, but in contrast, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, let's say it, girls. The thief comes only to what? Oh, no, louder. One more time. Your families... Your children, yourself, Satan hates our families. He hates our witness. He hates our sharing. And he will come and he will try to kill. He will come to try and steal and destroy. And we have to be aware of it. Jesus, we have to be so aware of it. And then the contrast is, okay, I have come that they may have life and may have it to the full. Have it abundantly. So I like the picture of, ooh, steal, kill, destroy, ah, and then a flower blooming, puffing out. This is what Jesus gives us, the fullness that we don't even know about. But as we get to know him, we'll know even more fullness. Then Jesus says, I am uh, the good shepherd. Okay. This statement is a very emphatic one in the Greek. And another one of our I am statements. Okay, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Here comes another mystery out. He's going to lay down his life for us. On contrast, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he does, the wolf is coming in, and the hired hand's there. But what does the hired hand do? He abandons those sheep, runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is looking at those Pharisees, supposedly shepherds of the Jewish people and he's telling them you care nothing for my people you care nothing for them and such a contrast between the good shepherd that would die some of the shepherds I read about they would go out and not return they would have died for their sheep would lay down his life but the hired hand just runs away 
And in today's language, you know, we, we often think of when we have a company or employees or hire someone to mow our grass, we want them to take what we call ownership, right? We want them to do it like they own it, okay? But in reality, oftentimes these employees and people are just a hired hand. And when life gets hard and rough or they get conflicting interest, they run. They run. And they leave us with a mess. I was just trying to give you more of a picture of of that, the contrast of the good shepherd and the hired hand. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Once more, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, I love this. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay. Zing! There goes a little arrow into all those Pharisees. I am divine. I know God the Father. And he zings it in. I have other sheep. Then he throws this in. I love this. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. What will they do, everyone? Listen to his voice. And there shall be one flock, one shepherd. So, he is saying, and this is another mystery being unlocked, he's going to bring the Gentiles and put them in with the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, and there'll be only one flock, no denominations, and one shepherd. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? We're all, most of us are sheep in here. So I want us to practice our sheep language, right? Bah. Can I hear it? Bah. Oh, come on. Bah. Uh, haven't you been in a 4-H barn? I just love going in those barns. I feel like I'm right there with Jesus when I'm in a barn. Because they're so cute. And by the way, sheep made them a very good domestic pet because they were so loyal and so affectionate. So they listened to my voice. <clears throat> okay. So he, and he, I just love it. He says, come on, we're bringing more to the party. We're bringing more to the banquet. Isn't that exciting? All this is so well planned. If he can put this in um, 16 verses of the Bible, think what he can do in our lives. Isn't that wonderful? Okay. Then he goes on and he says, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it up for me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Now, okay, he's going to die for us. And this was very interesting. He took on all of our sins, right, on that cross that day. And one author I read said, think about this. Let's say you commit 10 sins an hour. And I went, ugh, 10 sins an hour. What? You know, do I do that? But I thought about it. How often do we hear God's name in vain these days? Yeah, 10 cents an hour. And we hear his name in vain. And then we think, 16 hours, we're awake most days. Some of us aren't. Some of us are. 16 waking hours, right? 365 days. Average lifespan, 74 years. 4 million 300 sins per person. 4,300,000 sins per person Jesus took on. Now that's love. That is love. And he died for our sins. But then it says, I take my life up. And you know what? I just want us to thrill in this chapter because he conquered the ultimate enemy, which is death. Boom. Where is your sting? You are gone. He has that. And the other thing he's telling these Pharisees, 
is my father loves me because I obey. And my father's given me the authority to take, to lay my life down. No one else is going to do it. You're not going to kill me. I'm going to choose when to die. I have the authority to lay my life down for all these sinful sheep that my father loves, and I do too. And I have the authority to take my life again and live again. And he says, this command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided, right? Jesus is bringing lots of division now. Many of them said, He's demon-possessed, raving mad. Why listen to him? Obviously, they aren't listening to him. And others said, these are not sayings of a man possessed by a demon. So now, remember, remember, this is a continuation of chapter 9. Who's standing here with all these Pharisees? And everyone said, the blind man. He's still in this dialogue. Okay, he's standing right here. I I just love it. He said, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? No. No, No, that blind man is standing right there. Um, Andrea, you want to come up, help me? So I, I thought about this passage. And why is it in the Bible? Why? To show us how to argue with Pharisees? Maybe. To show us how really dumb we are when we can't take the truth in? You know? I mean, why? Why? Well, it was written for us in this day and age. And I just want to act out a little skit that I think will bring it more home to what I see it as applicable to us today. So, Andrea's here. And Andrea, you are Jesus today. You are our shepherd, okay? She's our shepherd. She doesn't have to say anything because she doesn't have a mic. Isn't that fun? (laughs) So anyway, she's going to stand there, okay? And just do what I say when I say to do it, okay? Oh, I could have some fun. Anyway, she's going to stand there. And I'm part of the flock. I'm one of the little sheep. So the shepherd starts to move forward slowly. And I'm following along. And then he pauses, right? And I'm a little sheep. And I'm munching. And I'm munching. And I look, oh, look over there. I could be doing that right now. I want to do that. Oh, I don't like that situation. I want it my way. Stay right there. And oh, oh, I want to do this. And I like this. And I like this. And I like this. And all of a sudden, here we are in our world today. We're in front of the shepherd. We're saying, I want to lead. And what happens is we begin to panic And we begin to get confusion. The devil is the author of confusion. So when things are all confused, he's coming to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. And we get angry. And then we get depressed. And then we get lonely. And then the thieves and the robbers and the wolves come in. And they want to snatch us. They want to pour all those lies. You're no good. You didn't have a good mother or father. You're divorced. You're this. You're that. Your husband's no good. Your kids are still sniffling all over the floor. You're no good. Blah, blah, blah. And down and down and down we go. But what is the shepherd? The shepherd doesn't leave us. He's there. And what is the shepherd doing? He's calling your name. Right now, the shepherd, I'm out here all lost, and he's calling, Roxy, Roxy, Kathy, Judy, come, come, listen to my voice. And I hear that voice, and I back up, and I say, I'm so sorry, I'm so, oh, oh, I feel so much good. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Andrea, for being our shepherd today. The Lord said, listen to my voice. And then he said, I call you by name, and I know you. But then he says, and you know me. How do we know the shepherd? All right, I'm going to zero in on two things. I know they're all your devotions and all your podcasts, and I listen to a lot of them, and I love them. 
But basics are basics. Prayer. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Even all the little things. A few months ago, I was in a lot of pain, and I was, sh- I was shrinking, and I looked in the mi- mirror, and I went, Lord, if you could just make me taller. And I go, I know you can't. I said, I know you can't. And I said, but I thank you anyway, and everything gives thanks. But as I walked away, I said, why did I say I can-? he can't? All things are possible. Anyway, I had a major hip redo. I came out of the bed, and my friend said, Roxy, you're taller. I literally shook. I literally shook. I went to the mirror in the bathroom. My face used to be here. Now my face is here. I went, oh my gosh, he leveled me out. I was taller. Pray about everything. Even if it's selfish, he'll let you know it's selfish. Pray about everything. And then get in that word. As Laura said, we've got to get in that word on our own. Get your Bible. Get your paper and notebook only. Take a little passage. Read it. See what it says. See what it says to you. First of all, be accurate. What's going on in the situation? Who, where, when, what? All those things. And then how does it apply to me personally? That's how we get to know him. We pray and we get in that word for ourselves. And he has this wonderful conversation with him. And we really get to know him. And then there's a third thing that we need to use. And that is, I'm carrying a concealed weapon today. Carrying a concealed weapon. And I bet most of you are carrying a concealed weapon. And this is how the concealed weapon works. The other day I came home, it was evening, I was tired. And so I thought, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to veg out. We all know how to waste time. Or I have a friend that I could go see. I haven't seen another widow in a long time. So I choose to sit on the couch, right? Bam! Out comes my concealed weapon. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Matthew 6, 33. Oh my gosh. You're right, Lord. You're right. I got off that couch. I went to see my friend. I had a beautiful evening. The concealed weapon is scripture memory. Don't crawl under the pews now. Scripture memory. Get one verse. One verse a year. I don't care. One verse for two months. Get a little passage of Psalms. Scripture memory, ladies, is our concealed weapon. And it's how we know him. All right. Moving on. Let's move on. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. And now he's saying, I and the Father are one. Okay. So... You know, John wasn't much for lots of details and descriptions. We love Luke because he mentions a lot of women. Well, I mean, aren't we important? We are. So, But John is about the deity of Christ. And very little on descriptions. But when he puts it in, it's important. This is probably two months later. Uh, Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. So, this is the festival of dedication. I want, you can look ahead, page 85 in your notes, some of you have already read it, gives a very good description, a little footnote of what the festival of dedication was. Quick summary. Um, The Jerusalem had been overrun, the Jews come back in, and take it over in uh, 165 BC. And before, when it was being overrun, they sacrificed a pig on the altar. And that was, that was just awful to the Jews. So the rededication was cleaning up and rededicating, dedicating the altar to God. And so that's the present day Feast of Lights or Hanukkah right now, okay? So that's the description. He's also saying it's winter. And a lot of the commentators, and I really do too, he's setting a scene, okay? Jesus um, Jesus has been talking to these Pharisees, but this, after this chapter, this is the last public discourse with him. He will never come back to Jerusalem till Palm Sunday. This is the end of an era. This is winter. He's going to prepare 
for Palm Sunday. And um, so that's that's just a little bit. Solomon's colonnade was important because he's not in the temple this time. The colonnade was a porch that gave cover for winter um, and was full of Solomon's big columns. And this is where just intellectuals came and uh, discussed men, you know, were have very intellectual discussions. So now this is where he is. Now, he's in this open-air area. So the Pharisees probably surrounded him, okay? He's, he's surrounded by him. And what on earth do these guys ask? How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Come on, ladies. Come on. They know he's the Messiah. I love, I love uh, Wearsby's statement. He says, people will do most anything to avoid the truth. People will do almost anything to avoid the truth. Okay, Andrew immediately knew Jesus. was. A, he went to Peter and said, oh, I found the Messiah. The woman at the well knew immediately. I mean, almost immediately after a lot of discussion. He's the Messiah. He told me all about myself. And these guys still don't get it. You're going to keep us in suspense? Oh, my word. People will do almost anything to avoid the truth. But it's a question for all of us. Where is Jesus giving us some truth that we're avoiding? Is Jesus giving some truth to your life and you're avoiding it? I just challenge you to ask yourself this week. Am I blind on something in Scripture, Lord? It's a good question to be asking ourselves. So, Jesus said, I did tell you. I love it, but he just gives it to him. This is last discourses. You do not believe. Okay, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because, and then he lets them have it, you are not my sheep. You are not my sheep. Sad. Isn't it sad? When somebody just keeps refusing. This verse just makes me sad. My sheep listen. Here we go again. He wants us to get this, guys. Listen to his voice. And he wants us to know this. I know them. And they know me. Now, this is the result. This is what's going to happen. Remember, he's revealing mysteries of his death and his resurrection. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And I prefer to say, never, ever, 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 ever perish. Okay? No one will snatch them out of my hand. The word snatch, doesn't that just get you? That wolf, wolf would come in, he'd snatch a sheep, and then they'd all scatter. He'd snatch another one, just like we snatch a Christmas cookie. Oh, no, that's... It's not quite right, is it? <laughs> anyway, I just thought the word snatch was very descriptive there. Okay, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. I love this. There's no one that can overpower God. No one can take him out. I don't care what Marvel movie you make. You can't take God out. Okay, he is the creator. No one overpowers him. He's greater than all, even those Pharisees. No one can snatch out of my father's hand. And then he makes the great another I statement. I and the Father are one. Okay, again the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. The Lord already knows their thoughts. Okay? And he's ready, right? Oh, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Well, for which one of these works? Was it feeding the 5,000? What was it that you're going to stone me for? Oh, no, 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 no. We're stoning you because you're saying... You're a mere man, and you claim to be God. Oh, my goodness, you claim to be God. They don't get it. At that point, this chapter is pretty intense. You know, sometimes we take ourselves too seriously, right? Barbara Johnson wrote this. It's healthy to be willing to laugh at yourself and make light of your shortcomings. You know, it's healthy to do that. We're also serious and want to be perfect. 
No, it's healthy to make light of your shortcomings. We all have our quirks. And let me tell you, when you get grandchildren, you have no idea what what your quirks are until they tell you. (laughs) It's kind of embarrassing, you know, but anyway. We all have our quirks, so we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. One of the best solutions I know for that is to take the bunny slipper approach. Write this down. This is very important. Bunny slipper approach. A philosophy of life we all need to practice. A friend of mine sent me a pair of bunny slippers, and every now and then I put them on, especially when I'm tempted to start thinking, I'm important, or nearly famous. I put on my bunny slippers. There's something about bunny slippers that keeps my perspective where it belongs. But in addition to that, my bunny slippers remind me, I love this, whatever happens doesn't have to get me down. Whatever happens doesn't have to get us down. I can still be a little silly and laugh and enjoy life. Pain dissolves. Frustrations vanish. And burdens roll away when I have my bunny slippers on. Isn't that wonderful? I encourage you, as we get so busy this season, and the things are so serious, our kids are so stressed, the young people are stressed, put your bunny slippers on for them, will you? Don't take it too seriously. Bring refreshment to their spirits. Anyway, just I just... I just thought I'd share that. That was fun for me. Anyway, so he's saying, I and the Father are one. Now, um, he goes on about, in Scripture he talks about God. You can study Psalm 82 uh, on your own. But he also says, "That's that's in Scripture, and then about the gods. And then, I love the second part of this verse. And Scripture cannot be set aside. What about the one... Where scripture says the father set apart the one. He set apart Jesus as his very own and he sent him into the world. Pharisees, this is they know this scripture. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I am God's son? Question mark. Do not believe in me. Um, let's see. I goofed. I um, do not believe in me. Um, unless I do the works of the Father, okay? So there were two confirmations here. Jesus would come from God, right? And there would be certain works when he came. And the blind would see was definitely one of those. Okay, so he's talking about now the confirmation of works. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. That's his last public discourse. He's sending that last message out. You've seen the works I've done. I come from the Father. Believe in me. Again, they tried to seize him. They escaped their grasp. Again, so sad. So sad. But I just thank the Jesus. He said, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I and the Father are one. And now... I'm going to claim more sheep. Aren't we glad he added verses 40 to 42 to this intense passage? Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. And there he stayed. And many people came to him. I've been to Israel, and it's amazingly brown, (laughs) dusty sand. I mean, it's thrilling to see Jerusalem. Um, But when you come to the Jordan, and it is all plush and full of vegetation, Sandy Humphreys, or Humphreys just come back from there, I can't wait to hear her story, you just go, oh, this is beautiful. And the water just brings life to the area. It's just beautiful. And our dear Heavenly Father is guiding Jesus, and he takes his dear son. He's done with talking to all these Pharisees publicly. And he's taking to refresh him, right? And to get him ready for the next step. And that's what the Lord loves to do with us. He likes to go, whoa, step back a minute. You need refreshment here. 
You've got to know me well enough to know I'm saying it's time to get refreshment. And how does he refresh it? I love it. So many people came. And they said to him, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. John didn't do any miracles. I really like Avern and McGee on this. He said, take this in, ladies. This is for us. It is the most wonderful thing in the world to know that when we give out the word of God, Jesus is calling his sheep. When we give out the word of God, Jesus is calling his sheep. And the results? Many believed in Jesus. Many believed in Jesus. He said, come on, join the pen. Come on in. Isn't that exciting? My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them by name, and they know me. Max Licato says, if you believe in the future and are assured of victory, then there should be a dance in your step and a smile on your face. May we all listen to his voice and go forth into December with a dance on our step and a smile on our face. And all God's sheep went, Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your scriptures. How they weren't just for those people back then. But how, you know, 2,000 years, they're for us today. Oh Lord, how big, how mighty, how awesome you are. I thank you. And I pray right now. If there's one person in this room who hasn't asked you into her life, I pray right now she'd say, Jesus, come into my life for sure. Lord, may we go forth in this busy season, the season where you brought hope into the world, and we are the only ones with hope, Lord. Make us bold to share your word, to refresh others, to comfort others. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are our shepherd. In your precious name, amen. Thanks, have a great week.